0: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We're at the end of the Coptic New Year, and this is what's called the small month, the little month, and this is um, uh, the last Sunday, or the only Sunday in that month, and the last Sunday of the Coptic Year. And as I mentioned last Sunday, and I'll repeat this Sunday, is that the Church is encouraging us to prepare for the coming of our Savior, to prepare for the end, to prepare for uh, our own death, to prepare for judgment. And as we hear these words, we have to apply them directly to our hearts to prepare ourselves. The church is speaking uh, to us through all of the readings and giving us ways to prepare ourselves. Now in preparing ourselves, we necessarily have to examine ourselves. And to examine ourselves spiritually means that we have to set up a time in our day, we have to set up a time that is regular for us to sit with ourselves, to be alone, to be in silence, and to take some sort of standard and apply it to our lives. Now what's that standard of course, that standard is the Bible, the scripture and there 's many wonderful passages there's many wonderful passages in the scriptures that we can use to apply to ourselves. Um, we were at a clergy meeting this past Thursday, and we were and his eminence metropolitan Serapion, was giving us ways to also uh, sit with ourselves as priests to analyze our service, to analyze our spiritual lives most importantly. And he insisted that for the priest, the more time you put into your own prayers and into your own spiritual meditations, to your own readings, is not taking time away from the service, but is taking time for the service. It is uh, important and he emphasized for us this uh, importance to sit with ourselves and to examine our spiritual lives, to make sure that we have time for our prayers, we have time for uh, our own uh, meditations. We ourselves are confessing, we ourselves are preparing ourselves for the liturgy as we tell you to prepare yourselves for the liturgy. And then Abuna Daniel Azar from Bakersfield stood up and he said, uh, Sayyidna, there are, there are six passages that we can apply. And he rattled them off in a way that we could memorize them. I hope I memorize them. Mm-hmm. So he said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Mark chapter four, Hebrews chapter five, Hebrews chapter six. So it goes one, two, three, four, five, six. And in all of those passages, you find words that are focused on growth, on growing, growth in faith, growth in love, growth in the body of Christ. We have to examine our lives, and we have to examine our lives against the scripture and to see the growth that we have we this is a common practice in every other area of life right we have our accountants look at our 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 money how much did we pull in how much how many liabilities do what kind of liabilities do we have how much went out right that's that's right everyone has an accountant you're an adult you have to have an accountant right (laughs) so uh that's that's one of the things that we do we examine uh everything when it even just i mean just even with our cars right we examine how We take care of our cars to make sure is it going to last if I'm putting oil in it right on a regular basis I'm just giving you the basics. Do I have eggs and milk at home, right? We examine everything else in our in our life to make sure that we have enough now we have to spend time with our spiritual lives and There are stages of growth that if we read the fathers There are stages of growth that we have to go through I was, um, in in preparing for uh, the sermon, I picked up this book by one of my professors uh, from seminary. His name was uh, Father uh, Ted Stelianopoulos. Stelianopoulos, actually his first exam. One of the questions was, how do you spell my last name? And of course, we didn't have it, and we had to memorize that. And he says, you should know how to spell the name of your professor. So I learned how to spell Stelianopoulos very well. So he gave us, uh, and he was a wonderful professor, and he wrote this book called The Way of Christ. It's a wonderful title, and it's a wonderful book. And a little bit more than halfway, he goes into how to discern and diagnose human development. How to discern and diagnose human development. God willing, eventually when we have a place, we'll have this book for sale. Um, Or you can go to Holy Cross Orthodox Bookstore and um, Holy Cross Press Orthodox Press to buy it or Amazon anyway so he goes and he has this wonderful part where he succinctly describes the stages of spiritual growth there are three stages three stages and we all have to enter into this and we examine ourselves to see where we are in these stages the first stage is called purification the second stage is called illumination And the third stage is called perfection. What are those stages? We can look at them in three other different ways. This is all from his book. Instead of purification, we can talk about practices. Practices. Practical practices. Uh, Instead of, or in addition to illumination, we can talk about the spiritual life. And uh, in addition to talking about perfection, we can talk about the mystical life. And when he goes through these stages, he says the practical level, the very beginning, the first level, when we're talking about that, we're talking about our Christian practices, how we worship, how we study the scripture, our ethics, our fasting, our service to one another, and our unceasing struggle against evil. I'm gonna list a couple of things here and I'm gonna post it so we can hear this again. And apply it. He goes on, he says, when we're talking about practical discernment, we're talking about learning to pray, finding time to pray, creating patterns of Christian living at my home, at my work, patterns of Christian living, serving one another, helping one another, prayer, area of love, uh, no fighting, Let it be a place of peace. He says we have to distinguish and choose priorities according to the Christian teaching. So our priorities in life should be the same priorities of Christ. The same priorities we find in the Bible. We have to find ways to seek forgiveness and to reconcile with our brothers and our sisters. We have to anticipate where there is sin and avoid it. Anticipate and avoid where there is sin. And this might even be in our own house where there's a problem, there's an issue. I anticipate it, I avoid it. He said, when we enter in the stage of practical life, we begin with a repentance, which is a change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change what I do, and I'm going to focus on different things. And the goal of this first stage is a lofty goal. It's called purity of heart. Purity of heart doesn't mean I have no sins within me. Purity of heart means my heart is focused on Christ. That's pure. That's a pure heart where it's Christ and nothing else. And I can still live my life going to work, coming back from work, going shopping, uh, doing all the things I need, going on vacation. I can do all of that and still have that purity of heart. Remember as it's written in the scriptures, to the pure, to the pure all things are pure. Now, that doesn't mean I can do all things, <laughs> but I, I understand and I can act with purity. And so this goal in the stage of purity of heart is actually a liberation from sin and from what causes sin. We have patterns in our life, and not just in our life, in this world, there are patterns This world is pushing us into a life of selfishness, a life of manipulation, life of greed, of exploiting, of corruption, of anger, of hatred, of despair even. And when we're talking about purity of heart and the effect of sin, we're really not talking about something that is small, like a mistake. We're talking about the power of sin. The power of sin in my life. And, and the power of sin is expressed how? By me making wrong choices. By me having wrong goals. By me having wrong relationships. By me having the wrong attitudes. The wrong values. The wrong actions. Even the wrong use of things and objects. This is all the power of sin. Sin takes us in the wrong direction. But the way of health. The way of becoming a full human being in the eyes of God is through the grace that He gives us and then the practical work that we do. And that practical work is trying to have those virtues in the Gospel be found in my life. Virtues of faithfulness, of humility, of self-control, of service, of holiness, of love, of renouncing my, my will of me being an egomaniac, me being self-centered, and of me indulging in evil passions. And that's why this stage is called purification, and we use ascetical practices, right? My fasting, my prayer, my going to church, even my giving money to the poor, right? When somebody comes to me and says, I went gambling in Vegas, Uh, and they're confessing the sin, say, okay, wouldn't that money have been better used to give somebody who's hungry food? To give somebody who's thirsty something to drink? In other words, maybe you have too much money on your hands. Maybe you don't know what to do with it. Maybe this better should be rerouted, redirected. Or someone who has too much time on their hands, and they don't use it in the right way. We have these ascetical practices to also fill up our time. Now again, I'm reminding this is all, I'm not this smart. So I'm getting this all from this book and I'm applying it to my life but I thought it would be beneficial to you. He talks about the second stage as illumination or um, illumination can also be looked at as the spiritual life. Now the, the shift is what? And these aren't like hard fast stages where you go from <laughs> one to the two. They are both, they mingle with each other. But the stage is, okay I know I have to pray the Egbeya in the morning. And the next stage, when we're in the illumination, in the spiritual life, it's, I like to, sp- to read my Iqbay in the morning. I like to spend time with Christ. I know I have to fast is, okay, a work, a practice that I have to do. But when I see the virtues of fasting in my life and the work of fasting in my life, I like to fast. I know I have to go to church. That's the practice. That's the purification. I have to follow rules. But eventually I get to that point where I like, I like to go to church. I I need to go to church. I want to go to church. If you gave me church and anything else, I'm going to choose to go to church because this is what I like to do. And it's at this second stage that we have the Holy Spirit more abiding in us. A growing flame, the living water that Christ promised us becomes to uh, percolate within us and and to become a fountain of living water within us. That's when the spiritual life bites us and we say, no, I like this, this is good. It's like Peter and and James and John as they went up to Mount Tabor and they had to struggle to get up that mountain. But at the top of that mountain they said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. It is good for us to be here. Now spiritual discernment, which is the second stage, this illumination, it's it's important to know theology, but it's not just based on theology. Now theology is what we learn through our practices. But spiritual discernment goes a little bit beyond. You can have, in other words, you can have theologians who know how to teach and preach and do everything about theology, but don't have a spiritual life at all. You can see this, you can read this. I'm sure if you go on uh, Facebook and other places, you might... You might find people that say a lot about God and who God is and what God is, but the presence of God in their life is lacking completely. And then the final, uh, or sorry, no, 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 sorry, there's another important part of this spiritual discernment that's important to know. It's not about rules. Spiritual discernment, illumination makes it a, a case-by-case spontaneous thing. It's 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 when you read, I hope you read this, this, but when you read the the writings of the Desert Fathers, you find things that are very uh, unique. You find things that are very unique in there, but you can't apply rules. For example, example, one of the fathers, um, either he was asked or it happened to him, where uh, he was asked, is it ever okay to lie? And he said, yes, it's okay to lie. It's okay to lie to save the life of somebody else. And he gave a situation there. Now you have the rule, do not lie. And it's a good practice to follow that rule. But there becomes a time where spiritual discernment comes into play. And we find ourselves where the rules are not as as sharp and as hard and fast as we thought they were. There's a nice story from the Desert Fathers I'll read here. There said, a certain brother... In a monastery fell into disgrace did something sinful and everybody kept found out about it he came he came before Saint Anthony and together with him came many brothers who wishful to restore him to produ- to proper monastic discipline overwhelmed him with reproaches so basically somebody was found to be doing something wrong the monks around him found out. And under the pretense of saying, no, we want him to be a better person. How they wanted him to be a better person was by ridiculing him, reminding him, telling him this is shameful, telling him this is bad behavior, all of this stuff. So then Elder Pavnutius, or Abba Pavnuti, was present. And he told the brothers, he said, I have a story for you. And he said, I saw on the banks of the Nile River a man who was stuck in the mud up to his knees. And some came with outstretched arms to pull him out, but instead sunk him down to his neck. Do you see the, sto- do you see the point? And St. Anthony said, Behold, this is truly a man who's, who can heal souls. See, this was the end of it. But the idea was that the discernment, the spiritual discernment, it's not just about right and wrong and, and, and encouraging people in the right and, and, and discouraging the wrong, but there needs to be a, dis, a spiritual discernment to apply the laws of God to somebody else. So this second stage is important for us in understanding all that we do in the first stage. Is fasting right for everybody? No. Some people it's, it's difficult to fast. Some people it's, it's forbidden for them to fast because spiritually it's not a beneficial uh, practice. Who makes the, the decision? A spiritual guide. And the spiritual leader has to be the one the, that is guiding you in the spiritual practices. The spiritual practices are very much like a doctor giving uh, medical advice to a patient. Try this one day, if it doesn't work, okay, try this the next day. If that doesn't work, okay, let's look for a third thing, right? And this is how a doctor will treat the patients. It's never uh, A plus B equals C. It's never something that's that simple. There's always some nuances that have to be applied. The same with the spiritual life. Now this is not enough for us to be here, but we have to continue on to perfection. How many of you thought that you were supposed to be perfect? Or how many of you accept this idea that you are called to be perfect? Not just to be, you know, kind of messing around with spiritual practices, I fall, I get up, I fall, I get up. And even beyond that, this love of God which is infused within us, we also still have to have the spiritual practices to go along with it. But the third level is perfection. And we know of, of people who have reached this, this level of perfection. When you have stories of Tamav Erini, you know, being able to converse with saints and the angels, and the stories of Pope Carolus, and the stories of many of these great saints, and not just them, there are many people, even in their final moments before death, they have been perfected, whether it's through sufferings, whether it's through trials, whether it's through just sitting with themselves. All of this brings us to this point of perfection where we are able to to have this purity of heart, not judging anyone, and a purity with which we can speak with the angels. What is the benefit of this life of perfection? It begins us into the life eternal life. This is where we're going. This is the direction that we're going in. And that that life of perfection continues, starts here and continues in the kingdom of heaven. All of this I'm speaking to you to give you encouragement and to give you some materials with which to sit with yourselves and examine yourselves at the end of this year. And let us not just do it at the end of the year, we'll take advantage of this, but not just at the end of the year. Let us make this a practice once a month, once a day, once a week, whatever we do to sit with ourselves, don't leave it. Don't leave it until the very last minute. Going back to the example of the accountant, right? We don't wait till April 14th to do our taxes, right? We have to be prepared. And the better prepared we are from before, the easier it is, right? Maybe I'll use that on a sermon around tax time, April 14th, again to examine ourselves, but for now let's take today, this, this, this time today, let's take this time today, don't wait till tomorrow, don't say inshallah I'll do it sometime in the future, let that be something that we do today and it might be difficult but what we find let us repent of, let us change, let us make new practices, let us start this new Coptic year that we're going to start this year on the right foot, in the right direction, in the right way. May God be glorified in our lives now and ever into ageable ages. Amen. Again, reminding you, I know that we're trying to do the service for the children. Uh, We were a little bit early today.